Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how Holy Spirit, the Bible, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. You guys ready for the word? Hope you're ready because you guys have to come ready. If you're not, I'm just talking to people who aren't ready. <laughs> kind of stalled on that one. The, the, the title of my message today, we're going to go with the litmus test for your heart. The litmus test for your heart. And really this whole sermon is rooted, um, the heart is the foundation of which your life is built on. Your heart, and not your physical heart, but the heart represents your beliefs. It represents at the deepest core of you what you really believe. For example, do you believe that God really loves you despite how many times you might mess up? Or do you believe that God is angry with you because you keep messing up? That is a belief system. That, those are beliefs that people can hold. And that belief will really dictate the path that you walk in life, right? You, you see how that is? You might have a belief about finances. Maybe you have a belief that, that Christians are meant to be poor because that's often been messed up through religion over the centuries, that Christians are supposed to be poor. And now maybe you have that belief system in your heart or maybe you believe what God's word says, how God has come, that he can lead you and guide you and help you build wealth and he can help you be prosperous and blessed so you can be a blessing. That belief system is going to determine the path that you walk on in your life. Now, you apply that to anything. You might believe that your spouse is a burden, or you might believe your spouse is a blessing. That's a belief system you've developed. The reason why I'm harping on this is because I believe, and the scripture tells us, that in order for you to be able to work out the life that you are, we are called to be able to walk on one or two paths. And one of the songs we sung, I believe it was the first song, talks about a wide path and a narrow path. It talks about a life that is led by the Spirit of God, a life that is dictated by what God says and what His Word says, which is the absolute truth. That is a narrow path that not many people choose and not many people walk down. That is a path lived following the Spirit of God. Then there's a path that is carnal. It is on our own strength, on our own will, what we want, when we want. This is a wide path. Most people walk down this path. And I believe as Christians, the word says that as we are called to follow Jesus and to be Christ-like, is that we need to not only choose to live according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh, but I think we need to constantly be reassessing and testing areas in our life to see what is our heart believing in this area. Is my heart rooted in faith in this area, or is my heart rooted in unbelief? You guys okay with me on that? So we're going to be looking at the litmus test for the heart. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians 2. Verse 12, we're going to base our sermon around this today. It says in Philippians 2, verse 12, how many people brought their Bibles? We're going with paper or iPad Bible today because I got the iPad. Hold it nice and high. Are we good? Get the Bible app open, people. Get off Instagram, YouTube. <laughs> Philippians 2, verse 12. 
Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this is not an ungodly, bad spirit of fear it's talking about. It's coming from a reverent position of fear, of, of, of fearing God because you are in reverence of a holy God, working out your own salvation. Notice how I can't work out your salvation. You can't work out your spouse's salvation. The person you're thinking of that you wish they were here today <laughs> to hear this message, you can't work out their salvation. You have to work out your own salvation. This is the discipline side of things. So it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do some things without grumbling or disputing. <laughs> the first service knew the word better than you guys, just so you all know. <laughs> it says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. That's a high bar. Do, say to your neighbor, all things. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you are supposed to shine as lights in the world. So, holding fast to the word of life, which is the word of God, which is also the absolute truth, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain vain. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. This is going to be the foundation of our service. Before we keep going, would you turn to your neighbor and just tell them something you are so ungrateful about? <laughs> just a little social experiment. It kind of feels taboo to, to do that, right? David, you can't say that in church. But yet we do this every single day. In fact, some of us are so immersed in murmuring and complaining about things, that we are like a fish in water. We don't even know that we are wet. <laughs> and murmuring, complaining, we're going to do a little bit of a spin on the whole Thanksgiving thing. We're going to focus on murmuring and complaining because, I'll tell you why we're going to focus on it today. It is so common in our society, in our, uh, call it, uh, Incoming generations are built upon complaining and murmuring about every single thing that they can. But it's not just them. We've taught it to them. It's been passed down. It's something that is normalized in our society. We complain about our boss. We complain about our spouse. We complain to our good friends, to our other good friends behind their back. We complain about the economy. We complain about the lack of money we have. We complain about and we complain and we murmur and we complain. Now, this is something that is very common in our society. And if we are judging it from that standard, then you might be saying, well, it's not really that bad of a thing, David. Come on. Like, is murmuring and complaining really a bad thing? I'm going to show you in Scripture why this is often overlooked, often it's not preached about, but God detests murmuring and complaining. The reason why God detests it is because it is a symptom of something greater. Murmuring and complaining is a symptom of the condition of your heart. So if you want a litmus test for what your heart is actually like, you need to pay attention to the words that you are speaking in whatever area you are talking about. 
murmuring and complaining is a litmus test. Really, murmuring and complaining is a voice for a heart that is rooted in unbelief. Whereas praise, thanksgiving, worship is a voice for a heart that is rooted in faith. Note how neither of them are determined based on your circumstance. It's not based on your circumstance. It's actually based upon what our heart is rooted in. So we're going to dive into our heart. Hopefully I can give you guys enough that you can do your own. Remember, work out your own salvation. I know some of you had someone in mind. Man, I wish they were here today. (laughs) No, no, no. I believe that Holy Spirit's prepared this word for myself. He's prepared this word for us as believers. Because if you look in the Old Testament, we're going to look at the children of Israel, God's people, as he led them through their journey. We're going to look at them at the reason why people in that generation of age 20 and older, they missed the promised land because of murmuring and complaining. It is a big deal that oftentimes we just coast over because we've normalized it in our life. And I want us to get to the root and realize, I'm not talking about the odd comment of, man, it's minus 30 again in Calgary, or shoot, the flames lost again last night, right? I'm not talking about the odd throwaway comment. I'm talking about murmuring is this, this in private, murmuring is this, this subdued or private expression of discontent, of dissatisfaction in your life, in an area. And really, what you're showing is that if there's something in your life that you have been caught and you look at yourself and realize, man, I am complaining all the time about my finances, or I should say my lack of finances. What we're really showing is that our heart has a condition that is rooted in unbelief that really God is not enough to meet my need, to lead me, to give me wisdom, to provide me opportunity. That's what we are saying when we actually are murmuring and complaining about whatever problem we have. But if you had a heart rooted in faith in a certain area, let's pick on finances again because we all can relate to finances. It's an up and down roller coaster in life. Is that if your heart's rooted in faith, it's like and you're going through your finances and you're at the end of the month saying, man, I did not have as much left over as I thought I would. You all been there before? How many budgeting is a new idea for some people today? Just kidding, don't raise your hand. You look back at the end of the month, man, I don't have as much as I thought, and you start murmuring, complaining. It's the economy. This inflation is killing me. Now I go to the, the grocery store, and groceries are so expensive, we have to cut down on what we're eating. Or you know what? I can't buy as much nice stuff. Or maybe I have to pull my kids from school. We murmur and complain about all of the things that are happening because of a problem, in this instance, lack of finance. That shows a condition that Jesus is not enough or did not do enough for to meet our needs and problems. It's a heart. It's not about the circumstance. But a posture of praise, a posture of thanksgiving, a posture of worship is really giving a voice to what your heart is rooted in. It's like, you know what? I don't have as much as I thought I did. Okay, God, I'm not just going to go through this, but I am going to grow through this because of you. I know that this is an opportunity, God, that I can lean on you because I know that you're enough. I know that you can bring opportunity. God, correct me where maybe I went wrong. Show me how I can do. Father, thank you. Use this situation so I can bring glory to you and I can be a blessing to other people. Notice the posture change of our words, which is showing how we view a situation. So I hope we can get into that a little bit more. We're going to dive into this really quick, but basically murmuring and complaining is the voice of unbelief in an area of your life or in all areas of our life. 
It's so, how, many, how many people do we know that can't start a conversation without complaining about something? It's been normalized. We've actually become habitual in it. Is that, that's our greeting. Man, I saw Ruel somewhere. Where's Ruel? There you are. What's up, Ruel? Can you just believe the prices of guitars these days? <laughs> I don't know. What a bad conversation starter. What's up, dude? How you doing, man? It's a blessed day to be alive. Have you been well? There's a different posture that comes from the heart of how we view the life that we're living, how we view the God that we serve, how we view where we're going. And our words, which is a symptom, a lot of times we try to just correct the words. I'm going to speak positive vibes today. That's all I'm going to do. But really, we're correcting a symptom and not addressing the root or the heart, which is blowing out through our mouth. It says in Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance. Vigilance. Keep your heart. Be protective of what goes into your heart. Be protective of what goes into your eyes, of your mind. Because out of your heart flows the forces of life. Are you flowing forces of death, of destruction, of despair, of unbelief, of nowhere to turn? Are you allowing that to flow in your life? Or are you flowing forces of life and, 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 and building up and prosperity and God can get me through? Not only can God get me through, but God can meet all of my needs according to his riches. God is there. So our posture, that's what Proverbs 4.23, Jesus tells us in Matthew that out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. Right? So if we're not careful... When we're speaking, is that we are really showing ourselves evidence every single day of the posture of our heart. And if we're not taking heed to the words, like I said at the beginning, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, means to take heed. If we're not taking heed to the words that we're speaking, we're really just conning ourselves, thinking we're walking in faith. But our heart is actually rooted in unbelief. We may as well pull a veil over our eyes and let the blind lead the blind in that case. Because really, I want to, as a person, as a person that follows Jesus, I want to live a life according to faith, yes. not by sight. That is why this is so important as a generation, as Christians in the world, to not only speak things of praise, of worship, of truth, of thanksgiving, and to speak it so loudly that we drown out the voices of unbelief, the voices of murmuring, the voices of complaining, because this is our responsibility, as we read in Philippians, it's our responsibility to be a light in a generation, and we can't be a light if we're falling into social cultural norms of complaining and murmuring about everything. But again, the deeper problem is, if we're complaining and murmuring, I'm not so much concerned about the actual words, I'm concerned now about the, the actual condition of our heart. Because you might be believing God for something and not even realize that you're actually rooted in unbelief. You're rooted in unbelief, but you're trying to believe God for something. That's what it says in Matthew chapter somewhere in Matthew, Matthew half, later half of Matthew, when Jesus, says, and when Jesus is talking about you believe in your heart and you, do, you believe and do not doubt in your heart. And you say into this mountain, be moved and be cast into the sea and it will be done. This heart condition is determining the way that your life is going in every single area. Every single area. Now, I'm not talking about not having bad things happen because circumstances happen to us all, Right? We've all got constant circumstances. Right now, if we went around the room, we would find a hundred different circumstances that are going on that all probably one off the next circumstance. 
There's never a lack of circumstances. Christianity, Jesus never came so you can have a perfect life according to your standard. There's an eye-opener for some people. Jesus came so we may have life, but he says, this world has got trials, has got tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So when you have a heart rooted in faith, you now no longer look at problems or situations or circumstances as things that can take you out. You actually look at them as opportunities for God's glory and his solutions and his providence to shine and to take hold to bring more people to Jesus and into the kingdom. Opportunity, praise God. Look at this, there's a circumstance I have to deal with. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad that you're with me. That says in your word that if you are for me, who can be against me? I know the result of this problem, so problem, bring it on. I have an opportunity not just to go through it, but I will grow through this. I will be better on the other side because of Jesus in me. So this posture of the words that we're speaking, really we need to take heed of this because faith and unbelief, they have a voice whether you like it or not. So are you a person of faith or are you a person of unbelief? Because your words are going to tell you the real truth. That's the litmus test for your heart. See, James even says, no man can tame the tongue. So I kind of think is that, I think it's fine to say nice things and be nice. We want to say the right words. But really what you want to do is you want to attack the problem at the root and fill our heart with the truth, the word of God, with what his word says about your marriage, what his says word about you, what his word says about finances, what his word says about how to run company, what his word says how to run countries, what his word says how to be a friend. We want to fill our heart with his truth so that our heart becomes rooted in faith. Because if we start going and murmuring and complaining and that root, it's actually a two-way street. Because what you're doing is you're actually showing evidence of where your heart is already rooted in. But at the same time, you're also deepening that root by speaking all those words because now you're hearing and you're reinforcing the unbelief that's in your heart already. So the only way to dig that out is to counter unbelief with the truth, to pour the truth in. The voice of truth is praise and thanksgiving and worship. The voice of unbelief is murmuring and complaining and unthankfulness. It's so important to look through this. If you actually read in Hebrews 3.12, if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. I'm, I'm not sure if the TV team has this. I might have added this last minute. It says here, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Some of you might just think, well, David, I, don't, I try not to sin that much. Murmuring and complaining, which is a symptom of an unbelieving heart, is a sin that detests God. All sin means is that we miss the mark. The children of Israel, which we'll get to in a second, missed the mark. They missed their mark because they had an unbelieving heart. Their heart was so hardened with unbelief that they had an unbelieving heart. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. This here, man, this, this was so eye-opening for me. How many times... How many people have we experienced when we come to know Jesus? We come to know his freedom, his salvation, confidence in Christ. 
We believe and are eager and excited to know what his word says and what his word does. But then here, what the word's telling us is that if we indeed hold our original confidence, like when we first came to know Jesus, through the very end, how many of us grow cold and grow hard in the everyday grind of getting to know God's word and the everyday of putting God's word in our heart? Hebrews 3 and actually tells us that an unbelieving heart will lead you to fall away from God is that if we are in a constant unbelieving heart, is that the eventual path that you're on is that you are going to disconnect from God. Notice how he said God's not going to disconnect from you. But our heart being hardened is going to disconnect from God. Again, murmuring and complaining is a symptom of where we're at in life when it comes to certain areas. So it's so important to take a look at that. And while studying Israel, like you have to ask the question, why was God so upset that the Israelite people were murmuring and complaining. Like, why was he upset about it? I, as a Christian, I want to go deeper and I want to find out, God, why were you upset about this? Why? What can I learn? To, how can I learn from them? I don't want to go down the path that they went down. Well, Hebrews chapter 4 explains to us, and it really again shows us that God detests an unbelieving heart. He detested murmuring and complaining because it showed that they were an unbelieving heart. Get this. Do you want to see how bad this was? Again, we can judge it because we're 2,000 years later. I don't want to get in the habit of judging people, but we're going to do it so we can learn from it. It says in Hebrews, this was written down so that we can learn from what the children of Israel did. Is that you talk about a people that had constant supply miraculously from God. You're hungry? Supernatural food from heaven. Manna. Every single day delivered to your door. I don't want to go to Save On Foods anymore, God. (laughs) Drop it at my doorstep, please. But guess what? They murmured and complained. So guess what God did? Gave them quail. Changed it. Talk about a miracle. But guess what? They murmured and complained about how cold they were at night. So what did God do? Gave them a pillar of fire to lead them at night and to keep them warm. Oh, how many people know they complain about the cold? They're also going to complain about the heat. So they complain about the heat. There is a cloud that God provides to protect them as they travel. Guess what? There's an ocean in your way. Okay, I'll part the ocean for you guys so you can get away from absolute death that is coming at you. It wasn't good enough. They murmured and they complained. Moses took too long on the mountain to bring down the Big Ten. So they murmured and complained. It led them into actually worshiping other gods and building calves to worship. They murmured and they complained because it wasn't good enough. Notice how they, God's people, were seeing constant miracles in their life that God was providing for them. You're thirsty in the desert? Water's gonna come out of a rock for you guys. Oh, guess what? You're gonna be, you're gonna be thirsty every day? Okay, that rock is gonna follow you around the desert which is the precursor of Christ being our provider. That's not good enough for you guys? What this shows is that the the detriment of an unbelieving heart actually has on people. Even in the face of miraculous signs, of God flashing bright signs, just like Las Vegas back in the 60s, these bright signs in the middle of a desert, is that it can be so obvious, but if you have an unbelieving heart, is that it's actually leading them further away from God even though God was continually reaching out and trying to provide for them. 
This is why this is so important as Christians, is to understand the detriment of murmuring and complaining. Whenever I say murmur, I think of Dr. Evil from Austin Powers. Murmur. <laughs> I don't know why. Just popped in my head, people. Murmur and complaining, it was detested by God because it showed that they had an unbelieving heart no matter how many times God was there to provide for them, to bring providence for them, to lead them in the path that they needed to go. Murmuring and complaining is the voice of unbelief. It means our heart is a rotten spring that is eventually going to defile every other area in your life. That is what's going to happen. You might think you have amazing faith in all the areas, and you, very, you, you might have amazing faith in a lot of areas. But if you've got a heart rooted in unbelief in a certain area, again, let's pick on finance, is that murmuring and complaining? If you are doing that and you are complaining and murmuring, you have signs of an unbelieving heart, guess what? That rotten spring is going to defile eventually, if you stay on that path, every other area of your life. You're going to find other things to complain and murmur about, which again, take away from the truth of God, which is actually being suppressed by unrighteousness in your life. This is what I talked about at the beginning, is that there is a narrow path that very few people walk on about living a life following the Spirit of God, and so many people follow down this path of carnality, which is a wide path, it's an easy path. Why? Because it's normal. It takes discipline and it takes work. Now I'm going to be a little bit positive. You guys okay with that? Just to make you feel a little bit good on Thanksgiving. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 4. We're going to read here for a couple of things on the importance of thankfulness. Romans chapter 4 verse 18. It's referring to Abraham here. That's what's happening. It says in verse 18, In hope Abraham, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. That is a promise God gave Abraham. How many people here have a promise that God's given you? Every hand should be up because it's in the word of God. God has given you promises about your life that is in the word of God. He may be reinforcing promises in your life through Holy Spirit, through dreams, through other things like that, but every promise we have from God is rooted and from the word of God. Holy Spirit will always confirm his word and he'll never work against his word. So Abraham had a promise about his offspring. And it says here in verse 19, Abraham, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of his wife, Sarah. So Abraham did not grow weak in faith he had an opportunity to live by sight. Well, God, I'm super old. How am I going to have a kid? My wife is super old. How is she going to have a kid? But he didn't grow weak in faith. Here's the solution. Verse 20. No unbelief made him waver concerning God's promise. But he grew strong in faith. Notice how it's showing the two areas that your heart can be in. Unbelief or faith. It says... But he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God, as he praised God, as he was thankful to God, as he worshipped God. See, his alternative here was to view his body, his natural circumstance, and murmur and complain about the state of reality for his body. But what he did is he took God's promise, like we sang our first song today for the people that were on time. We take him at his word... 
I'm just being a little cheeky today to you guys. We take him at his word, and Abraham took God at his word, and he praised him because he knew God's word was stronger than the situation he was arising at. How many of you have lost your promise because you have focused on your reality and really what you say is, God, your word is not enough? Because my reality is dictating to me what's actually happening. How do we combat that? We praise and we worship and we yell and we shout and we speak things of thanksgiving for what God has done and what he's doing in your life. That's how Abraham grew strong in faith. I don't think there's anyone here who's 100 years old trying to have a kid right now. So we all can learn from Abraham and what he did here. He's one up us all. We're going to move to one more little positive verse. You guys okay with that? Colossians 2, verse 6 to 8, if you have your Bibles, turn there. Let's get out of that app. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. Again, we're talking about the heart being rooted. This says here to be established in the faith. Just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving abounding in gratefulness, abounding in the things that God has said. No matter what you are going through, you have something that you can be thankful for. No matter what's pushing against you, you have something to be thankful for. At the very least, and for lack of better words, it is the fact that Jesus has provided you victory. It's only up to you to tap into that, to be able to see your way through with Jesus. We need to get in the habit of shouting and praising and worshiping and being thankful for what God has done. You're having a bad month financially? Well, guess what? It's either Jesus meets all your needs or he doesn't. And a heart of unbelief is saying, you know what, Jesus? Your death was not good enough for this situation. Let's be real for a moment, okay? That's the truth. I know we don't like that in our, our Western, comfortable Christian lives, but we're called to be more than that. We're called to be overcomers in every single area. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. Abounding in thanksgiving. Second last verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. If you have your Bibles, turn the first. Thessalonians 5, verse 18. It says here, actually, I'm going to start in verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in some circumstances. No, give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say give thanks for all the circumstances, but it says give thanks in all circumstances. God never brought you a circumstance to make you better, to discipline you. He never brought you a sickness or a disease or made you have an unexpected expense. God never, Jesus said, guys, this world has got enough stuff on its own. Stuff's going to happen. Because there are human beings here, problems are going to constantly arrive. So just know that. And you putting your faith in Jesus and becoming a Christian isn't going to make your life easier. In the sense of how we tend to have a standard of wanting an easier, nicer, comfortable life. But what Jesus has said is that this world has got stuff, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The way you tap into him overcoming, meaning being the solution, being your providence, being your go-to, is what is your heart rooted in? Is it rooted in unbelief or is it rooted in faith? For this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. What? To give praise, to give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God for you. 
A lot of people think the will of God is out here and we have to find it and chase it and capture it down. The will of God for your life, your specific life, always starts in here. And you need to work it out, just like you work out your own salvation. You want to work out the will of God for your life? You work out your salvation rooted in faith, and the will of God is going to reveal itself. He's going to lead you and guide you down the path that God has for you, which is beyond anything you can do on your own. I love this last verse. Skip ahead to verse 24. And he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Praise Jesus for that one. The thing is, once unbelief dominates the heart, you will eventually depart from the faith. Just like the Israelites. I didn't even get to talk about the Israelites with you guys. You're going to have to come back to third to listen to that one. You have to do your own research. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 11. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1 to 11. Paul writes out five things that the Israelites did over and over and over again, which caused every person over the age of 20 to miss the promised land. And four out of those five things were all rooted in, unbel- were all rooted in murmuring and complaining which showed the Israelites had a non-stop heart of unbelief. Hebrews 3.19, they could not enter because of unbelief. There is going to be a point in your life, whether you've been really good at masking it or not, there is going to be a point in your life where the voice of the station of your heart is going to reveal itself. Whether it's in your private, when your private workspace, when you're at home, when you're working out problems on your own, when you come to church and you want everyone to think everything's good and you go home and you really are breaking at your core, is that these are the signs and the symptoms of where your heart is at. Because a lot of us wait for faith to grow when we see a solution happen in our life. Okay, thank you, God. No, it doesn't start that way. It starts when our heart is rooted in the Word of God. It's either we believe God's Word to be true, It's either we believe this word to be our absolute and Jesus being all sufficient, which means he is there to meet every single need. He is enough is what it means. It's either Jesus is enough or he is not enough. And our heart is going to determine that, whether it's rooted in belief or whether it's rooted in unbelief. And I pray as a church that we can lead the way, especially as we live in a society that loves to murmur and complain, that loves to shout out about how things are horrible, that loves to focus on things that tear us down and break us apart, that love to show that we as humans are are horrible things. And all of this stuff, our society normalizes this idea. And I'm saying don't fall for the trap that has been here for thousands and thousands of years. We are called to walk down the narrow road where your heart is rooted in faith, you see Christ abound in every area of your life, and you get to the point that when you see circumstances and problems come your way, you actually start to get excited because you know God's glory is going to shine right through that. You know providence is going to go through the whole entire thing. You don't only just go through it, you grow through it. And with that, we can bring people to Jesus, bring people to the light that you've experienced, and that is what happens when we have a heart rooted in faith, and our mouth speaks thanksgiving and praise and worship for God. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me for a quick second? We're going to pray in just a moment. Is I want to give you an opportunity. If you don't have a relationship with God, if you maybe feel like you've left God behind or he's left you behind or whatever happened, maybe you feel like you just you don't know where you stand with God. If you want to have a relationship with him, if you want to be in God's family, if you want to start down this path, the Bible says this is all you have to do. 
you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. What that means is that you repent of your ways. Repentance means, God, I'm no longer the God of my own life. I want you to be God of my life. I want you to be Lord of my life. I am done doing this thing called life on my own strength. I want your strength. I want to live with you. That's what repentance means. So you don't have to clean up your life. You don't have to change all your habits. You simply have to choose to follow Jesus. And the second thing is to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that he was raised from the dead. When we believe that and we confess that, you automatically are in God's family. It's amazing. It is fair for every single person to have opportunity to be with God. It's not about you. It's not about your works. It's about Jesus. So if you don't have a relationship with him, if you're watching online or in a different site and you want to have this relationship, everyone's heads bowed, please. No one's looking around there at me. Is that I'm going to count the three in just a moment. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You're just signifying to me, David, I am choosing Jesus right now. If that's you and you want to start that relationship with God, raise your hand in one, two, three. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you're online, God knows what you're deciding. Thank you. As well, if you're in a different site, there's a pastor or leader on the stage there as well. Praise God for those people that are making this decision. I'm going to give you one last moment to raise your hand and to make this decision with Jesus. That's awesome. I'm going to ask everyone in the church here to repeat after me, pray out loud with me with these people who are making this decision. Dear God, I come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross, for forgiving me of all of my sins and for rising again. Today I choose to follow you and I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone in agreement said amen and amen and amen. Let's put our hands together for all those that made that decision. So glad that you made that decision today.